and some are sown among the thorns, and they grow up, and the thorns strangle them. And some are sown on good soil, and what happens when there's good soil? It thrives, and all these plants come up and take root. Now, the disciples did not understand what Jesus was talking about, as many times disciples don't. Sometimes they are called the disciples. So Jesus goes on and he explains the parable. He says, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what is sown in the heart. That's like being sown on the path. And what is sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. And such a person has no root and endures only for a while, and then trouble or persecution come, and that person falls away. As for what is sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word. But the cares of the world and the lure of wealth choke the word, and it yields nothing. But as for the seed that is sown on the good soil, the one who hears the word and understands it. The yield is spectacular. It's a 30, 60, and 100 fold. It's far more than you can imagine. Now, I like to putter around in the yard. I like to grow perennials because they come back every year. I like to weed. I like to trim but I don't like to do vegetables. Because when you do vegetables, you have to do all kinds of work. And the herd of rabbits and squirrels in my yard just eat up what small efforts I make. It is so irritating for a rabbit to take one of my tomatoes, take a bite out of it, and leave it on the ground. <laughs> the farmer in Jesus' parable is a bit peculiar. In fact, very peculiar. Farmers go out and they measure the field. They go out and they get all the rocks out of the soil. They make little rows so they don't waste the seed. They know what it's going to cost to plant the field. They have a plan. What farmer in his right mind is going to take this bag of seed and go out and throw it on the road and throw it on the gravel and then go throw it in a briar patch. Would you go and throw grass seed in the alley? Would you go plant corn in a briar patch? No, you wouldn't do it. So. This farmer seems a brick shy of a load. <laughs> that is, if Jesus is giving us an example of good farming practices, which Jesus is not. Jesus is talking about the kingdom of God and the extravagant abundance of God. Jesus isn't like us. He is not engaged in a cost-effective planting system. 
He does not go out and do an analysis of the market to see where a new church could be planted and then figure out what economic level or education level would be most likely to respond to the word of God. No, he goes out, he's got some seeds, he's throwing them every which way he's throwing them on doctors, on dentists, on drug addicts. He's throwing those seeds of the joy of God's will on comics and criminals, on cynics and bankers and dump truck drivers. He's sowing the seeds everywhere. First off, he, he throws the seeds out and it gets on a hard-packed earth and, and and that's her like us sometimes. You know, we already have our opinions. We already think we know what God has to say. We're not going to change our mind. I've been like that. Have you? Secondly, when Jesus goes and throws around forgiveness and welcomes all kinds of people, there are some who just love being near him. But when trouble comes... They check out. Sometimes it's just the tediousness of the faith, you know? It's just so hard to get up and pray and to do Bible study. And then Jesus teaches that we're supposed to forgive others as he forgives us. He's just a little demanding, don't you think? I've thought those thoughts. Have you? Jesus proclaims that people who are hungry and thirsty for right relationships will be filled by God and that those people who work for peace will see God. I get so excited when I hear that text. But then there are times when the worries about life, the anxieties, worry about grades or whether our kids are doing as well as other people's kids or anxieties about jobs or relationships, they just choke out the life of faith. I've been in that place. Have you? And then, of course, that doesn't stop Jesus because he keeps on sowing the seeds. Jesus is wildly Extravagant, wasteful even. Think about it. This sower may be wasting up to 75% of the seed. Extravagant. Throwing the teachings, the way of Jesus all around. Thomas Kroger says it this way, A spendthrift lover is the Lord who never counts the cost or ask if heaven can afford to woo a world that's lost. Our lover tosses coins of gold across the midnight sky and strokes the sun against the cold to warm us when we rise. Still more is spent in blood and tears to win the human heart, to overcome the violent fears that drive the world apart. Behold the bruised and thorn-crowned face 
of one who bears our scars and empties out the wealth of grace that's hinted by the star. So Jesus sows, and some of it falls on good soil, and those seeds flourish, and they grow and do unexpected things, and I've seen that. Haven't you? I've seen it here in this congregation. I've seen it in other people's lives. I've seen this incredible abundance take place in the least likely places. I think about the kid I had in youth group for a year, and I never knew if anybody was listening. They were middle schoolers, and do you remember what it's like in middle school? kind of bouncing, kind of, you know, full of energy. And so there was this one kid who sort of liked to argue, and heaven forbid that I should argue back, um, which I did. And years later, he came to find me, to tell me that I was the first person who cared enough about Scripture to argue about it. And it made him read the Bible. Who would have imagined that God would take an obnoxious part of my personality and plant a seed in a young person's heart? Or think about the story, The Color Purple. It's written by Alice Walker. It's about a young woman Celia, who is dirt poor, black, cruelly used by her stepfather and given away by her stepfather to a man who abuses her. It's a story of faith and doubt and love and hope and survival. A group of us from the church went to see the musical here in town. It is extraordinary. It is extraordinary. And in the cast notes, three of the actors talk about their home church or thanking God or doing this for God. Alice Walker is not a Christian, but God has used something that is powerful in her words, something powerful in the lyrics of these songs that have been written to throw around a message of God's kingdom where people survive through love and prayer. In the book, the whole book, The Color Purple, is Celia writing letters to God. In my family, there is a history of Methodist missionaries in China China was kind of the crown of the mission field, and lots and lots of people went there. So when the communists came in, understanding that Christianity was a major threat to the government, they expelled the 7,000 missionaries who were there, who left behind seminaries, 900 schools, 
and 600 hospitals. And then the government systematically tortured and imprisoned and killed Christian leaders. It was several decades before anyone could go back. And so one of the missionaries, more than one, went back when China began to open its doors. And they wondered if the church had survived because it had been only a tiny minority of the culture. And they went back and they found that there were literally millions of people worshiping in secret house churches. Millions. They estimate 80 to 100 million people. And these folks were equipped with Bible, prayer, and the Holy Spirit. That's it. Some of the church's leaders were 16 to 20-year-old young women. There were a lot of those. And there were four men who had been imprisoned for long times and tortured for their faith that would go secretly from place to place to encourage Christians. One worked on 250 house churches by himself. Wow. The seed flourished. The seed grew. It is amazing what happened in China. Who would have imagined that God's word would take such root? That there would be such faith and hope in a place where Christians are tortured. Who would have imagined that in the past two years, the Presbyterian Church has started 257 new worshiping communities? 257. Now, these are a little bit different than we might think of as regular church. They're in coffee shops. They're in bars. They're in trailer parks. They're in blighted neighborhoods. They're in the suburbs and healthy churches like ours. Started to pray about where God was leading them. And they became convinced that the idea was not to bring people into their doors, but to get out of their doors and to see where the love of God needs to be. To reach out to those who have turned away from traditional church for those who need God's love in a way that they have never known. They've moved from steeple out into the community. We could do that. We could do that. Because God is wildly extravagant. God doesn't count the cost, and it wouldn't matter even if, quote, we didn't get back our return, unquote, because God's going to use something, and there is going to be good soil somewhere. I think about this parable. You know the birds that eat the seed? Sometimes birds 
drop the seeds in their waste, and they're sowing flowers and wheat and trees in really unlikely places. How many of you have seen flowers sprout up of the concrete walk? Even there, seeds can grow. We can't limit what God can do. We can only follow. Thanks be to God.